Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. Good morning. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. If you don't know me, I say Merry Christmas every day because it is a Christmas day today. My name is Chaplain Matthew Runnels. I am the 225 BSB Battalion Chaplain with a Dragons Battalion, part of 2nd Brigade. And welcome, welcome to Schofield Community Chapel. If you've been part with us for the past couple weeks, we are studying the parables of Jesus. And the takeaway title that we all use in a way is Life-Giving Lessons. Have you ever been part of a training? Have you ever been part of a brief where you have absolutely no idea what they were talking about? You walked away and you realized, I don't think my life or my understanding of the world has changed at all. Has that ever happened to you? You're like, that is the story of my entire life. No. We here at Schofield Community Chapel desire your lives to be enriched by the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God and through the collective worship of His church. That's why you all sounded so great this morning. Because when we present worship songs with great theology, you sing. And it's almost as if we have two services. We have the, the, the uh, preliminary service, which is the first couple worship songs, the pastoral prayer, and now the teaching of God's Word. So if you have your Bible, if you have your Bible app, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 44. I will be reading from the ESV version. Please pick whatever translation you prefer. Last week, Brother Verdon, Jeremiah, preached about there is a field, right? And both good seed and bad seed was planted, and the owner of the field says, Nope, at the end all will be harvested, and the good seed and the bad seed will be separated, yes? And today we're going to learn not one parable, but two. It's the bonus one. But they're very short. So the message is only going to be about five minutes. No, no, it won't. This is the parable of the hidden treasure, starting in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man, with, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Please pray with me. Father God, as we have just declared, you have all the authority. Your name declares it. And Lord, I pray for this morning that this message does not draw attention to myself, that this is your message with your truth. And let us as your church find hope, find joy, and be willing to give it all up 
for your treasure. That there is nothing else that competes, that compares to the worth of your treasure. And in your son's name do we pray. Amen. Often, when I marry somebody, I use this example. I present a question. Why get married? It's just a piece of paper. And I generally explain the value and worth of that piece of paper to ask another question. If you were to sell a house, would you desire a contract? In the end, a contract is just a piece of paper as well, right? Would you sell your house with just a handshake, a promissory note? Probably not. The selling of a house and the contract that the house uh, is defined by is really for two things. One, this is it. There's, another, there's no other house for you to look at. There's no other loan that you can try to get. There's nothing there's no other reason to search for anything else. You have found your house and you are making your claim on it. You have provided a commitment to purchase it. And the second thing is, there is a date for you to move in. There is a date where the house wasn't yours and there is a date where you move in. And isn't it great? I don't know about you, but when I get my household goods, I, I think I, I kind of ask myself two questions. Yay, what new things am I going to be able to find in there that I have completely forgotten that I own? And two, how many things have been broken? <laughs> but there is a great joy in buying a house, and likewise, there should be a great joy in getting married. When I saw my beautiful wife, Dana, we were playing ultimate frisbee, and I saw this pasty white thing running across the frisbee field, and I said, that's it! That's the one! There's no other woman that defines beauty, my definition of beauty, than her. And I pursued her, pursued her, and twice she said, no. And she was playing so hard to get and I even prayed, Lord, you're really confusing me. Please remove this woman from my life because either she is just really confused of how great of a person I am or I just don't know what I'm doing with my pickup lines. And finally, after the third try, February 14th, guys, what day is that? Hey, boy, man. She said yes, and here we are. And within a year, we started dating, proposed, engaged, and got married. Now, how does any of that, how does marriage come into light with this? Well, let's look at it first. Our first point is this. If you look at your uh, bulletin, we have sermon notes on the back. We encourage you to do that because this is part of edification. This is part of training you all to be able to take notes. The hidden treasure implies all the land has value not just the treasure. Therefore, the treasure brings value to everything. Now, let me explain that for a minute. If we go back and read, let's do that. In verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Notice the fact that the treasure is hidden, which a man found. We don't know if he was really looking for it, but nonetheless, he found it and he covered it up. 
Then in his joy, notice the word there, joy, he goes and he sells all that he has had and buys that field. Notice how he does not buy the treasure. A treasure cannot be bought. This treasure cannot be bought with our value. Does that make sense? In other words, I do not purchase salvation because of my good works. God's salvation is completely set apart from my intentions. The man sells that he has, and he buys the entire field. This implies that the treasure from the Lord, and we're going to describe that, what is the treasure? Salvation. Salvation from the Lord brings value to everything in your life. I was raised with godly parents. I could define and describe why Christianity with logic and reason and even science made sense. I could never describe and define why I believed other than I just didn't want to go to hell. I went to a Christian summer camp and I realized if I were to die right then, I was going to hell. I was an accomplished young man. I was a semi-professional athlete. I had owned companies and managed companies at a young age. But all of that was nothing in regards to eternity. And I realized the Spirit of the Lord had shown me what true treasure looks like. You see, this man covered it up. Now, we don't know why. We don't know why that implies, and that's not the focus of this message this morning. The reality is this man could see that there was a great treasure, a great value presented to him, and he gave it all up for it, and he bought the whole field. So, the application, therefore, is how do you, how do we, how does the church understand the value of the treasure that has been shown to us? How do we know that it's of any worth? Or else, are you like me who loves thrift stores, go to Ross, I mean, Ross by itself is like a treasure chest of random things, like, I didn't even know they made that. And you're walking through, and you're like, oh, this is crap. Are you the person who goes through that yard sale or that thrift store and says, I have seen something, and I know its value, and I'm willing to get that one thing? See, we have to understand the value of the treasure that has been shown to us. And that is only shown to us by the Spirit of the Lord. Because I can name the price on anything, but I cannot name the price of eternity. The Spirit of the Lord convicted this man to sell all that he has, and he bought the field that allowed him to have the treasure. So let me apply this to my own life. When I found the treasure of the Lord, when the, when, when the Lord... Let me slow down. ADD is kicking in. 
when the Spirit of the Lord convicted me of my damnation, when I repented of my sins, and when I, without any shred of doubt, said, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior, after that summer camp, I went to community college. And my English professor at the community college was the same English professor that I had at my local high school. She worked at both. And she could tell, Matt, something has changed in you over the summer. And I said, okay, well, let me tell you what happened. And I began to evangelize to her. But the reality is that the treasure from the Lord, salvation from the Lord, the forgiveness from the Lord, the redemption from the Lord, elevated everything in my life so that every aspect of my life had value. How I was a student changed. How I viewed education changed. How I viewed work changed. How I viewed authority changed. How I viewed my role as a son changed. How I viewed the perspective of being a husband changed because I will tell you it is really easy to convince people that if I can stand right here and preach a decent message you would think that man has it all together but I can go back and completely sham for the rest of the week and yet have this perspective that I'm some sort of saint it is easy in life to work and to focus on certain categories and make sure that those are running really well, but not, we're not going to open up that door. We're going to leave that door in my life as a hidden closet. Those are the things that the devil calls them playgrounds because he's like, oh, that's a secret sin of yours. Oh, that's a secret laziness of yours. Let me just convince you that you can hide it. You see, the treasure of God isn't just eternity. And I'm not belittling that. The beauty of salvation is that it redeems all aspects of our life. All of it. And therefore, my value and my identity is not in my rank, not in my position, not in my OER rating, not in my accomplishments. It has nothing to do with what I have done. It has to do with, do I remember I have bought the field? Because if we go down to our second point of, verse, of, of our point one, is this, the parable of the pearl implies there is nothing else to value. The man who found the hidden treasure on the land left and bought the entire land. The merchant, understand that he uses the example of merchant. So this guy is a skilled man. This guy understands the value of pearls. This was his job. He was an expert. And as he's siphoning through, he sees that there's only one of great value. And he left all the others behind he identified the one of great worth, that there was nothing that compared to it. When I saw my wife, she holds the definition of my beauty, of how I view beauty. No other woman. 
No other accomplishment. No other opinion. The merchant found this pearl of great value and he left all the rest and he went and he sold everything so he could have that one pearl. Beloved by God, you, do you know the value of the pearl before you? And are we as a church willing to respond in such a way that we set aside all other thoughts of life, all other 12-step books of extreme happiness and says, this is the one. Because the definition for me, I have worked with youth for 15 years, and the one example that I would share with all of my children, with all my youth students, would be what is the difference between a child and an adult? Is Are you willing to stand for something? And what is it? It is easy to live in this world and think, well, that other person has some pretty good ideas. When I became a personal trainer, I would tell my clients, as soon as I take you on, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get on the internet and you're going to question everything that I've just shared with you and you're going to find some sort of other workout fad or trend and you're going to start listening to that. But Jesus tell his sheep, listen to my voice. Listen to it and follow me. And I will tell my clients that. Just listen to what I'm teaching, what I'm training, and your results are going to be what you want. If you start to listen to all these other people, you're going to be lost and confused and not focused. Have you ever thought, have you ever began something like that? Oh, I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to begin this, this hobby in my life. And for a couple weeks, it was really good. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. I saw this other TikTok that was a little bit different, but a little bit cooler. And I'm going to try that now. And then I'm going to try this. And then I'm going to try this. And in the end, what we're really doing is trying to focus on whether or not we're happy and not filled with joy that they had. You see, these are not emotional responses. These are not just emotional responses. Joy is not just an emotional response. Joy is understanding that there is a truth, and that truth helps me wake up in the morning, and the next morning, and the next morning, and the next morning. See, when we begin to hold on to that one beautiful pearl, but have the others in our pocket, we like to think we're following this one pearl, but we have all these other thoughts, all these other opinions right here, and we feel it as if it's like, ah, is that really true? It's like when the disciples came and they were, they were all uh, bundled up by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and, they, and the Pharisees told them, hey, stop this whole Jesus thing. Jesus is dead. He's no longer here. Stop preaching about Jesus. And how does the disciples respond? There's nothing else for us to do but to, de but to declare his name. It is like when you go on some sort of extreme dietary fast and you don't eat any more processed sugars and then you eat something that is naturally sweet 
and you can feel the richness of all the flavor. And then you drink a Coke and you're like, whoa, that's way sweet. I can't take that anymore. It's kind of like what the psalmists say. For I have tasted and I have seen that the Lord is good. See, when we can understand, when the Spirit of the Lord awakens our, our eyes, our minds, our heart, to see this is the treasure of the Lord, we cannot do anything else but respond in joy and to give everything else up. Point two. These parables do not emphasize a collective like other parables, but how one responds when it is found. See, previous parables talk about a collective teaching, a collective metaphor, that there was a field that was planted. This is about an individual that finds salvation. How do they respond? Both enjoy. Both respond like the... Samaritan woman at the well who leaves with complete joy that she had found, or really that the Messiah had found her. What's the point of this? We serve an amazing God, don't we? That by the word of his mouth, he established all creation you, we cannot walk out these doors and be amazed at the majesty of everything that is before us. The birds, the trees. Man, if I was younger, I would have climbed all these trees. They're awesome climbing trees. We live in an awesome place. We serve an awesome God. But just as God focuses on the entire universe, this massive, meticulous plan from Genesis to Revelation, he is just as concerned with the large plan as he is with you. The beauty of Christianity is the fact that, that God doesn't overlook any of his people. So if you are weary... If you are burdened, if you believe that you're living in the shadow of somebody or something else, if you believe that your past is too prevalent, too severe, too traumatic, if you believe that you are just so tired and exhausted with life, the treasure still has value in those moments as it does in great glorious days. Because we have a God who knows what will happen to his church and what will happen to the individual individuals in it. Yes, I know the same, I said the same word twice. This is a self-reflection. How do we respond to the treasure that, that has been found? It is a daily self Reflective prayer. In the book of um, Philippians, it talks about, uh, in the book of Philippians and in the book of Ephesians, it talks about living with great unity in the Spirit. 
And it is a joy to be able to come and talk with you all and meet with a lot of y'all and fellowship with several of y'all and grow collective in the church together. And it is a great joy when I can see that there's somebody who knew the treasure, who had the treasure, and grows to appreciate its value. How do we respond to the treasure that has been found is a daily question. Because I will not understand the true value of this treasure when I'm 40, when I'm 45, or when I'm 80. But when finally, as the song that we just declared, when the race is complete, I will stand before the throne and say, not I, but Christ. How do we respond? And understand, if you're like me, then there have been times in your life (coughs) when you have not responded very well. (coughs) Excuse me, when maybe you were ashamed. Maybe you were scared that, oh, if I show my faith, people are going to judge me. That there's been times in my life where I've questioned the truth of God's word and thought, is any of this really true? Could it, could it really be all that simple? None of this makes any sense. The New Testament writer says, Live your life worthy of the calling to which you have been called to live. And I believe, again, that is a daily self-reflective task of starting the day praying, Dear Lord, grant me the joy of salvation and renew in me a righteous Because in the darkness of the world, it is easy to forget that there is a great light. Just recently, I I took uh, uh, two weeks to leave, and my father and I and two other friends, we actually took a sailboat, and we sailed to Molokai, just the four of us. And we sailed over to Molokai, and there's, there's, it's not like there's streetlights in the ocean. And what constantly blew my mind was in the midst of all the darkness around the boat. There was an immense amount of life. We could literally heal, hear whales that were swimming so close to our vessel as we were sleeping. And despite all the darkness around us, all we had to do was look up and see the grandeur of the universe and the stars. It is easy to focus on the darkness, the doubt, the shame, and the guilt, and forget that there is a great light shining. And that light is revealed, as in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, that Jesus is that light illuminating our hearts. Our third point is this. All love requires sacrifice. A sacrifice requires 
a price. All sacrifice does. And that's why I think the greatest and the hardest to live up to army value is selfless service. Because to be selfless is again a daily amount of sacrificing yourself, your time, your energy, and maybe even your money for somebody else. All love requires sacrifice. What are you, what am I as a church, what are we willing to sacrifice for the thing you love? You see, beloved, when I saw my wife there, when I saw my future bride, I saw there's value right there. That is my woman. And I'm willing to sacrifice my bachelor identity, my willingness to just spend my money how I want to and have a family. I was willing to sacrifice something for that. And I will tell you that we as the church are the bride of Christ. And our heavenly father was willing to sacrifice his own son to redeem his treasure, which is you. The church is the treasure of God, the Father. The beauty of the Trinity, what sets Christianity apart from all other faith traditions, is the fact that we have a Father who adores and is righteous with His adoration towards His people. And we have a Son who is obedient and willing to be obedient unto the plan of his Father. And the Spirit of the Lord abides in his people and says, no, don't go back to all the other treasures of the world. Come back to this one. And remember, your treasure is here. This is your treasure. This is your treasure. This is your treasure. That, I think, is one of the hardest aspects of being a Christian is that we only get a couple of gold nuggets here and there. The real treasure is heaven, and yet we doubt the value and the worth of those gold nuggets that we get throughout our life. That we can see and respond well to the gospel truth that with our first point, there is a great value that is enhanced in our life, that all aspects of our life gets redeemed. But we must be willing, and when our prayer should be, Lord, help me to see the value of your truth. And all copycats, all lookalikes, give me the wisdom to cast them all away and be like Peter walking on the water when he was looking at Jesus. The second point, as a reminder, is that this is a, a personal response when the treasure is found. What are we willing to sacrifice, therefore, for that treasure? Something has to give. My family and I, while we were on leave, we stayed at the uh, Pili Lao Army cabins on the west coast of Oahu. It's our family's favorite spot. There's nothing to do in Waianae except for hike and go to the beach. There's nothing else to do. There's no resort. There's nothing. It's just rest. My daughter, Eleanor, 
used to be terrified of the water and it was just like a switch got flipped. She just started swimming. And we're swimming in the ocean and it's time for us to leave and pack up and go home and we're walking on the beach and she's walking behind me and she said, Daddy, I'm stepping in your footprints. And so what did I do? I slowed down. I shortened my steps so that she could follow. Then as a child, she just ran off. But, <laughs> praise the Lord that we have a gracious and merciful Father who is ever so patient with her ignorance that slows us down so we can follow in his footsteps and value the treasure of his word. And it is my prayer that as we grow to treasure this, it is reflected in our life so that people desire to follow in those footsteps. Please pray with me. Father God, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your church. That God, you know everything. You know what is to happen and nothing comes through life as a surprise to you. And I pray that we live in a world that is so filled with angst, that is so filled with what ifs and concerns, that you steady our minds and our hearts and remind us that your word is treasure. And let us be able to value it and to cherish it. Convict our hearts to know that there is a sacrifice that is needed, that you, through the sacrifice of your Son, has given the example. And let us respond faithfully and true, making you the priority in our life. And in your son's name do we pray. Amen.